0: the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors.
1: Uh, Welcome to Absolute Empowerment for our sixth show. Uh, Tonight we have with us the most decorated strength and conditioning coach in the history of the NFL, uh, Al Miller. And uh, I'm going to make an attempt to go through his background. before we get started here, Al, but great to have you with us.
2: Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you having me.
1: Uh, Al played at uh, Louisiana Monroe, uh, previously known. Uh, or actually, he played at Northeast Louisiana, now known as Louisiana Monroe. Uh, All-conference twice as a receiver. Uh, masters from Louisiana Tech in 1974. Uh Had quite a bit of collegiate experience before moving to uh, Alabama uh, under Bear Bryant. Uh, Joined Dan Reeves with the Broncos in 1985 and was with him for 19 years with the Broncos, the Giants, and the Falcons. Uh, They had multiple divisional championships and four Super Bowl appearances. Al coached in two Pro Bowls. Uh, retired in 2006 and then returned in 2012 for a couple years there with a total of uh, 24 years in the NFL. Uh, Some of his accolades, 1981 Northeast Louisiana Golden Anniversary Football Team member, uh, 1982 Northeast Louisiana uh, University Hall of Fame, 1993 the President's Award, which was a special award for strength and conditioning in the uh, NFL, uh, 1998, the Emmerich, Ricky and Jones award, which is also a special strength and conditioning award for NFL coaches, 2004 NFL strength and conditioning coach of the year, 2005 USA strength and conditioning coaches, Hall of Fame inductee. And then in 2007, also with CC, uh, SCA, uh, uh, was honored as a legend in the field with Alvermil, Meg Stone, and Boyd Epley, and I know that was a special one for you, Al, because your friendship with Alvermil.
2: Yes, uh, was sure was that uh, uh, really was uh, that you know I guess if you if you, you know, all of well, them uh, are, are are something I never expected. And everybody says that, but I, I truly mean it. I mean, I didn't ever, they never under my mind. But uh, when you get down, somebody says that you're a legend in something. <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> so, that's that's got to gotta be a stretch. <laughs> well,
1: I've been in it for a while. I don't know anybody in strength and condition doesn't know who you are. Al, so. Well,
2: I appreciate Congratulations it.
1: Congratulations on all your accomplishments. And, uh, you know, we're not going to talk a whole lot about uh, nuts and bolts of strength and conditioning. I know you've done podcasts uh, in the past. Uh, basically, we're focusing on that totally. But uh, uh, this particular podcast has a little bit of a different uh, flavor to it, a little bit of a different objective to it. And we hope we get uh, more than just strength and conditioning coaches listening to the podcast. Of, four, of course, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how I met you. Uh, I just called you out of nowhere mm-hmm. somewhere in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just a young strength coach trying to learn from the best. Uh, somebody told me you were the best. So I just called you <laughs> out of the blue and asked you if I could come out there for about you know three or four days, week, whatever. And, uh, And it was a great trip for me in a lot of ways. I'd never been out to uh, Denver, of course. And uh, so it was nice to kind of drive around and and look at the scenery. And I drove up to some park up in the way up in a mountain somewhere. I said, well, someday I got to bring my wife here. But uh, uh, it was a great week. Um, Really enjoyed watching you work. And, uh, you know, I just tried to basically absorb everything uh, that you talked about and you did share the information to me that uh, is in your book, the system, uh, uh, of course, to an extent, you know, it made me promise not to uh, <laughs> basically share that with anything or, or the, uh, the KGB yeah. would be hunting me down. Yeah. So right. uh, you know, uh, that secret Russian, uh, uh, periodization scheme, undulating periodization scheme. I did yeah. you know, I eventually shared it with my, my assistant Jay Butler. And then later on, Jay became uh, friends with Johnny Parker, who of course right. uh, you and he wrote the book and basically yep. uh, uh, that helped him in his career as well. But um, you know, we'll come back to the, to that and some of the nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you know, I, the thing that I recognized also, I was, you uh, I recognize you as a man of great character and integrity uh, who was adamant about a standard and doing things right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that really hit home with me because I grew up in Western PA where football was uh, very very intense and same type of thing. And uh, uh, really it was just right along everything that I believed. And, uh, and that kind of, uh, encouraged me in the profession uh that i could that i could demand accountability work ethic discipline spirit you know from the people that i i want i was going to train and i felt that those intangibles were more important uh than than the nuts and bolts to be honest with you because uh if you don't have those in a program or anything you do in life you're not going to be successful right Uh, you got to have great character traits and so uh I was excited after, after coming and meeting with you and, and I was energized to, to do my job better. Uh, so I'll You're always sure be so. thankful for that visit. And, uh, you know, getting back to what people haven't really talked to you a whole lot about, uh, probably is, uh, I know that you grew up without a father and, uh, but you were highly accomplished as a young man. And, you know, to me, uh, you had to be somewhat faith-driven to be successful in that respect. So, can mm-hmm. you tell us something about your family and your, the coaches who influenced you, and, and your faith, and those things that that contributed to the man you you became?
2: I'd be more than happy to, Jeff, and uh, you know, because I'll be honest with you, and mm-hmm. I've had a lot of time you know, after my career has been over with to sit back and think about what has happened to me, you know, from when I started out and, uh, just say like that little 12 year old boy that started lifting weights at one day. And, uh, you know, and I, I was thinking about how, how did this, how, how did all of this happen? You know, why me? And, uh, the thing that I look back at is, is strictly one thing. It's not me, and 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 if it was one person, it, it's it's our Lord Jesus Christ, and and I think that He puts people into people's lives. I think you could probably say, and I just take a wild guess at it that. You can name probably two or three people right now that were strictly, strongly uh, influential in your life that without them, if they weren't there, where would you be? So right. anybody that's risen up like you have, that's at the levels of like we have climbed to, it, it's it's about it's one thing, and it's not necessarily... You know the person. You've got to be able to be there and do things correctly, and all of that. And that comes from other people that teach you what to do. So I think that being said, then yes, I had a uh, a father uh, that was a uh, uh, was the sole money wonder of our family, and passed away. Uh, mom didn't have a job, and we had to make it. And my sister older sister she was uh five years older than i was still is and uh you know it it, times are hard they really were (laughs) and uh, i don't don't want to be boisterous with that but that it's that was true it was it was time mom didn't have a job and uh daddy sure didn't have a wealth of money so we uh we had we had some tough times there, but the one thing that always happened at the Miller House on Sunday was Al Miller and Rachel Miller were always in that Presbyterian church, Sunday school and church. Every every Sunday. Every Sunday. Now there are a lot of times if I told you that I, you know, ended up and knew everything about the Bible this, that, and the other, I'd be lying to you. Uh, I didn't, I didn't use the time wisely, but, uh, I had a calling one time when I was, oh, daddy had been, been dead. I was still in junior high and, uh, the preacher got up there that one day and he started talking about, you know, being saved, giving your life to Jesus Christ and, you know, being baptized and, uh, so forth and so on along those same lines. And, you know, I was sitting there beside my mom, just like I did every Sunday, and something hit me. Uh, you know, I, I think you and I both maybe know what it is, but I got up, and I started down the aisle, and before my mama could grab the back of my neck and, and pull me back down, I walked down that aisle down to the pulpit down there. was baptized uh that was the start of it i think um there was a lot of times in between that time and the next time that uh, i had a real encounter was uh oh probably 15 10 15 years ago and uh you know i i i I strayed be honest with you uh from my upbringings right there, but uh, it did occur. And then the other thing, Jeff, is that I had strong people in my life. I am so fortunate, so fortunate. I had to make it in, in, in football. I mean, it it, 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 it was either – I was going to make it and and go to college. We didn't have enough money for me to go to college, just pure and simple. Uh, if, not, if I didn't get a scholarship, then I wasn't going to go to college. So I was going to work in the oil fields. And I'd already been in those oil fields, and that's a tough way to make a dollar. And it's a long climb to the top on that right there, and it's, 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 it's hard. Um, I loved sports. And, and I, I loved it when the man, Mr. Miller came in and introduced me to weight training. And, uh, he did that. That opened up my whole nother deal to my life. His name was Ralph Miller, there was no relationship. And he showed me how to lift weights and he took a, and I've told this story before. He took my arm out there, and, you know, we were, I was about 12 years old, maybe 13. He said, I want you to make a muscle. Boy, I threw that thing up there just proud of that little bean poking out there, you know. And and I think he measured it something like 10 and a half inches, and I, boy, I just thought that that was it, you know. You know, he said we did a set of curls and then set it down, talked a while, did another set of curls. He said, let's try another one. And we did another set of curls. And then, then said well, a little tough, you know. So and then and he said, "Well, let's let's just finish up and do one last set." So I got down to about seven, and it just it just played. So we helped it. Uh, my other arm helped it on. Well, I shook shook that arm a little bit, and so he took that tape measure out, and that thing measured out about. A, a quarter of an inch more than what it already had. And I'll never forget it, Jeff. It just blew up just like a bomb in front of my eyes. I looked up the sky and I said, my Lord, in a month, I'll be a monster. I said, why doesn't anybody know about this? thing?" (laughs) And I started showing some of my friends in and it worked on them too. And so there you go. That's how it all got started. But, uh, With my spiritual life, uh, kind of went hand in hand with my sports. Uh, I was with good men that taught me toughness. They taught me work ethic. They taught me manners. That's another thing that was taught in my household. And, uh, They taught me also about the Lord. There was, uh, we had a, uh, great head coach in Garland Gregory, and he was a, uh, he was a a wonderful human being. We had another one named Dwight Adams and Tommy Brasher. All those, I think that if you could Google them, I think that you'll find that, uh, all of those are exceptional exceptional not only players but also exceptional coaches yeah and uh then i went to college i was fortunate enough to get a scholarship and uh then i uh parlayed that into finding a a girl down there that would have me and married me and uh she was the prettiest thing i've ever seen (laughs) uh we had a Wonderful life together, and uh, then you know, uh, as as I mentioned to you, uh, I think was in we were in Atlanta, and we noticed something was wrong with her. Yeah, and uh, uh, we took her down. Finally, it got to where that it it, she and. uh, wade phillips's uh, wife Lori, we're very good good friends and uh we talked and a couple of things happened that, that we we took her down and got evaluated and they told us that time she did have uh alzheimer's and she had also uh visual agnosia which basically renders a person blind hmm. so uh, she had both of those and uh the guy said that one thing uh, is that she had the fast acting kind, which means that her lifespan would be short rather than carry it on. So I figured out how much time I needed to be able to, to get in to uh, retire. And I did so because I knew. If 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 all the things, and we had two wonderful children, Brian was my oldest son, and Lisa, who's there now still in uh, Atlanta, she was uh, our daughter, obviously. And uh, you know, we raised them, and we always talked, just like couples do, about you know, boy, and the and the you know the golden years, you know, of, of, of when we got, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do, and it that's what you know, I was going to, I was going to hold my end up for that bargain. And, uh, that's, you know, they say for better, or for worse, it's, uh, that's what it is. And so I, I, uh, I took it upon myself to take care of her there and, uh, I did the best I could. And we had, we had a lot of good fun, uh, moved back over here to Louisiana to where she knew a lot of people and, uh, and, we knew a lot of people that, that could help, and uh, we did. We had a lot of fun in that period of time. My my faith was really tested. Uh, I'll never forget. You know, if you've ever talked to someone that's 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 dealt with taking care of a. Of a, of an Alzheimer's patients or someone of of that consequence, uh, it, it's, it, there, it it's it it's it's a tough it's twenty four seven and uh, and I tell you what so you get worn down and things start to taking place and so the one thing everybody does is what what do they say first knee jerk reaction to anything. Why me Lord? You know? Yeah. Why, why, yeah. Poor little old me. Yeah. Poor little old me. Yeah. Why me? So and I said that one time out on the back porch um after something. And I and I and I said that and I thought, wow. Wow. That's 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 not right. That's not right. And you know, and I, I basically sat there and apologized and uh, I said, I'll never say that again because things were provided for us, done for, you know, we had a wonderful life together. And so I wasn't, and there are a lot of other people besides me that had to go through it. So I'm going to stand up and try to do what is right by her. And, uh, that is going to be the best. that was what always did that during that period of time. That's when I, I really, I was fighting. I was fighting, you know, Johnny Parker called me, or I probably called Johnny at that period of time. And, uh, Johnny was still working. And, uh, and I don't know that how many people do know this, but Johnny was the son of a preacher and, uh, very, very spiritual person and and knows each and has been a dear friend of mine for a long time. And we we were there one time, boy, and I called him and I told him, I said, Johnny, I said, man, this, I said, this, it's getting hard. It, I said, it's just tough. I, can't, I just don't know if I, you know, I'm just basically about at my wits end. And he told me this. He said, Al, sometimes you've got to walk that lonesome valley. you got to walk it all by yourself. Yeah. Nobody else can do it for you. You know." And yeah. I tell you what, that was one of the things. Johnny had no way of knowing that, but that was one of the things that we always said at our First Presbyterian Church here in El Dorado it was one of our prayers all the time. And it is a lot of the times here in the Presbyterian church I belong to in Monroe. And with that being said, I thought again, it brought me back. It yanked a knot in me that I needed. And uh, he's right. Yeah. You know, he's right. I mean, he's right. Johnny was right on the money. and, for that, that instance right there, that's when I started trying to be able to, to understand what I was in and understand what the, the best thing needed to be done for her and to keep my sanity and, and religion. And yeah. after that, uh, fast forward, um, my wife passed away. And uh, when she did... After that, then uh, I remarried. Then I remarried a woman that uh, told me that you know it was going to be a a uh, Christian home that she moved into, and and I said that, that's fine with me. And I, I, our preacher at that time was a kid that I coached in junior high and a good football player, and he still is. The, well, he was the preacher, and now he was the assistant preacher. But uh, we uh, we made it, and I I really reaffirmed my religion at that time. Yeah, and that's my that's my play. And and I I'll tell you this, and I've told people this the and this 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 is all. Yeah, the the people have to get up in the morning get to work do as good as they can do every day and all that stuff. But I mean, there was one time that I was in Waco, Texas and I got out of coaching worst move ever made in my life for about a year. And I went to work for a, uh, let's just name non reputable individual. And uh, I knew I'd made the wrong mistake and, uh, or I made a mistake. And I just, I was driving to work one day and never did this before or after. And I just pulled off side of the road and I just prayed to the good Lord above. I said, I, I know that this is not for me. I I need to get back into coaching. And uh, I said, if you ever can see it in your way, to be able to put me there. I'll never ask to leave or never will leave a, on my, un, un, again. And not too long after that, uh, that was when I got the job with uh, Mississippi state, but, uh, yeah. but we were talking about. Yeah. Right. And there you go. So for me to tell you that, oh boy, this, this is about Al Miller and Al Miller this, now Miller that, phew, uh-uh. no, then Hey, it's not, it's not. And, uh, there's a higher person. And uh, I think people need to realize that coaches need to realize that everybody needs to realize that, um, because if you're going to make it in here and there's a lot of them that don't, a lot of them that don't, then, uh, if that's the direction you're going, you need, you need to, you need to make sure of where you're going to go <laughs> when you get caught and you're going to get caught in that old valley of the shot of the death. Promise you that everybody is, you can't get out of here alive without it. And uh, what you going to do. Right. What you're going to do. How are you going to react? You know? So it's, uh, I've been through it and uh, I, I, I promise you this, I don't wish out on anybody. And, uh, but that's, that's it. Jeff, pretty much right there. That's my the spiritual end of of me and uh, uh, my wife and I. And I've I have tried to be a better father to my children, Christian wise, than I was when they were growing up. They're great kids now. They're great kids. Uh, my but you know they have children of their own, and right. I I keep telling them you know I, f- I feel like that I have, and that's one of the, my prayers I make all the time is to help my children you know because of me, and it's it, it's past me I, I didn't do it at that time, and if you didn't do it and you try to try to make amends for it, <laughs> I mean that's 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 tough that's tough sledding right there tough sledding. So it's better to get it done on the way through and not have to do like I did.
1: Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story. And I know a lot of people will. And, uh, it's kind of funny that, uh, Johnny Parker always has something deep filled with wisdom to say to us. Uh, yeah. pretty much every time I've been around him and, uh, but I'm really glad to hear that you're you're strong now and uh moving forward yep and i know that was a tough time and I, I experienced that a little bit with the grandfather i know maybe a little bit about it but uh but uh you know glad to hear and glad to see that you're you continue to move forward and staying strong uh
2: trying my best uh, trying day to day uh, jeff uh
1: what i wanted to, to ask you about uh when you were with Bear Bryant, mm-hmm. uh, did you somewhat see him, uh, you know, as a father type figure in some regard? Uh, I know you had tons of respect for him because I've talked to you a little bit about it, you know, of course, when I visited. But uh, what, what was the Bear Bryant culture like?
2: Well, I, I think that uh, any person that's ever coached for him, worked for him, played for him or anything like that. He was a father figure to us all. I mean, really was. I mean, he, he had a persona that, uh, you know, it was, that was just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for is that not, you just didn't find with anybody, you know, uh, I had a general in the army when i was in fort knox uh, it was uh general Patton's son mm-hmm. and he was wow. a he was the first he was one star general and he had a, a commanding atmosphere around him a lot like coach bryant mm-hmm. and uh but that that coach bryant was uh was different uh You know, he was raised, or I was raised, we were born and raised 40 miles from each other. And, uh, but, uh, so, you know, it it was something, I learned a lot. I had great coaching, as I said. And because I had that great upbringing, good, great coaching, great high school coaching, and, uh, great coaches to teach me along the way, then, you know, they reinforced the things that he said. So I, you know, a lot of the stuff that, uh, that he was preaching and doing were already done with me, you know, and I had heard that and I believed, it. I mean, man, look, I, that was hundred percent it. And, uh, but he, uh, yeah, he, he was, he was, he was different. He's different. And I, and, and how is he different? I mean, just different. I mean, he, he had a way about him that uh, commanded, demanded respect. Right. And that's, that's it. Yeah. But yet, and again, uh, he was just, just like me. And just like he said, he was just a simple old country boy, you know, Yes. Yeah. He was raised in four dies. I was raised in El Dorado. I mean, they ain't a cut dog's difference between the two of us, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I got you. Well, that was also during the time and I, Hey, I went through it myself, uh, the three days, two weeks or three days when I was in college playing and, uh, you really didn't question a coach much at all. I mean, or you wouldn't be there very long and, uh, as a little different than, yeah. Uh,
2: Times are always changing.
1: Yeah, that's uh, right. The only
2: thing a guy told me a long, long, long time ago, and uh, he said, boy, the only thing that stays the same in this world is change. And he yeah. was right. And no I, doubt. I, I, I agree. It's uh,
1: definitely something you can count on
2: for sure. That's it. Uh, and, uh, you know, football changing, everything, and it does. And so, yeah. consequently, when you say, you know, boy, I, I, this or that, Change is going to occur, and uh, the thing you've got to do though is know what your where your loyalties lie, know where your strength is, and stick with those, regardless of what happens in the outside world. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you talked about the guy that influenced you. I was just going to tell you a little story. When I was about in tenth grade, uh, there's a guy that uh, that I met that was come around. who was from my hometown, kind of a bunch of little coal-minded towns, and, uh, yeah. and his name was Tom Doman. And he played both ways for West Virginia, center and linebacker for uh, Pappy Lewis, and he played with Chuck Howley and all those boys yeah. uh, uh-huh. back in the day, and he said, I got something special for you. There's a chiropractor I'm friends with, and he got this new line of equipment I'm going to take you and take you through today. I'm like, oh, you know," because I was just learning about strength training, and uh, he took me in there where they had this stuff called Nautilus, <laughs> and uh, he put me on that first machine, and I don't even remember what it was. It was maybe hitting back. I don't know. And then I went to the double chest and, the course of course, the leg press and about the 56. Yeah. I said, man, I'm starting to get – why am I feeling sick? <laughs> and uh, well, because <laughs> there was there was no rest provided. Yeah. And you were going to failure on every set along with some forced reps at the, at the, the top end and uh you know here uh long story short i ended up having a you know a nautilus fitness center myself at some point at, when i was in tmi academy in tennessee and yeah. then i had a powerlifting team at the same time we used uh, nautilus kind of as a supplementary deal but you know when we were training mm-hmm. the public of course it was uh you get with your trainer you got one shot on this machine you got one set we're going to take you through these 14 15 exercises kick you out the door and uh you know, right. It's kind of really interesting then because it gained popularity among some programs that had the money to buy the equipment. Right. Uh, but if you look around now, you, you can't find a Nautilus machine anywhere and all you're going to see pretty much is uh, racks and platforms.
2: Well, uh, you know, in that period of time uh, that you were talking about that, that, when the, the, uh, it came about Arthur Jones created Nautilus yeah. machines and, uh, and we were i i was i'd started coaching in junior high and then i went to high school and i started uh uh in high school then i went my head coach went on and became the head coach in college and i went to college and what i did we were going to rebuild a lot of our field house and everything which yeah. did need a reconstruction and so what we wanted to do is that he brought me in and we were training with weights. Now, I mean, we trained with weights in junior high and we did the things. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I don't think this name is mentioned enough to Jeff is Alvin Roy. Yeah. And I think he, he's the reason that we all have a job. He really is. And he was from right down here in Baton Rouge. And, uh, you know, that's another story within itself, but, uh, you know, with that being said, we, we never, we, we train with free weights. Yeah. The Nautilus, just like you said, came into being and boy, I mean, bingo. I mean, you know, at the hoopla and everything was this. So, uh, we had at, at that time, I thought it was a large sum of money and it was, uh, we, called down and started reaching out and talking to people you know hey jeff Connors, i heard you have nautilus equipment yeah sure and then obviously you're wanting to sell it and i'm wanting to buy it so make a partnership so i I went down to uh uh little town down in uh florida uh, DeLand. um, deland florida that's right and he had a guy down there named Casey Vittor. Casey was uh Mr. America down there. I, yeah. yeah, Remember that? And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he and I worked out together and uh, yeah, I went through that same, same deal with him. But before then that I had heard about it a little bit. And uh, so I was in, I tried to get in good shape as I could. I was still in my twenties at that time. So yeah. And, yeah. But that we bought some of that equipment and, uh, yeah, it, it, it will work. Uh, but there are other things, you know, now you got to worry about time. You got to worry about this, that, and the other, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I I still think if the free weights, if you know how to be able to use them are the way to go now for athletes, guys like me, that, way past prime machines. Yeah. Well, of course,
1: back then you could go to a conference and you guys stand up there and argue back and forth about the, you know, you had Ken Manny and if, well, you had Dan Riley, of course, Dan Riley was big with it, with uh, Penn State and with Washington Redskins, whatever. And uh, I I went through that whole phase with everybody. And yeah, I went up there and interviewed with Joe Paterno, uh, like it was 1993, I think. And, and, uh, you know, when I showed him a film of what I was going to bring in there, and I was, he said, what would you do with the weight room? I said, well, I'll clear all this stuff out here and bring in some free weights. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, his trainer was sitting there in the interview and almost had a heart attack. So, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to get that job.
0: But, uh, oh, boy, I'll tell you what. I'm happy yeah. to get
2: the interview. And uh, yeah, yeah, I guarantee. Coach yeah. Paterno. I still yeah. have the letter from, uh,
1: I still have a letter from him. Thanks Jeff for coming for the interview and, and all your information you gave us about powerlifting. I never said one word about powerlifting. So, you know,
2: they They don't realize. Yeah. Well, I was like coach Bryant said, uh, you know, I went in there and the man, I was all geared up, you know, ready for a big Q and a session. And, uh, He came in and we talked for a little over an hour. Yeah. And down around close to the hour, I said, uh, coach, I kind of looked at him. I said, you don't want to know what we're going to, what we're doing with them. Yeah. He said, no, he said, I already checked you out. And he said, uh, he said, you, you, you know what you're doing. And he said, uh, I've already figured that out by asking around about you. yeah. And he said, uh, you know, I know what you can do. Sure. So, you know, he, he said then he said, you know, I have never been around weight training. You know, it wasn't around when, when he played, you know, in college at Alabama. Right. Yeah. And it hadn't for all over many years. And so when, uh, you know, the time came, you know, it, uh, it was something that it was kind of new to him, too. Yeah. Well, how he,
1: not, we uh, uh, we mo- very recently, actually, we talked to Steve Waterson and yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the components uh, that made for a, a very productive culture in at the NFL level. And I was just wondering when you were with Dan Reeves, uh, uh, how did you view that culture in relationship to, you know, what made you so successful uh, through your time with him? And, uh, uh, you know, just from a leadership standpoint within the team, the chemistry of the team, uh, what were the things that, that you thought were extremely important in relationship to uh, the productivity that you experienced?
2: Good question. Good question. uh, First of all, uh, Dan Reese was a very, very uh, competitive individual. And, uh, you know, his nine years playing running back for the Dallas Cowboys, and he played at a major university, South Carolina. Right. And played for a good good coach and coach Marvin Bass, and uh, played there for you know, uh, of course, the one of the greats of all time and coach Landry. And he was a cut, he had he had you know, Dan, coach Landry gave him the offseason, uh to be able to run for a year. So, you know, he obviously did not know what to do with it all. So he went down and and talked with Alvin Roy. Mm -hmm. And Alvin Roy, you know, showed him what to do, how to do it, and so forth. And uh, so Dan went back and worked a year with it. And they saw great gains. That was when, you know, the old saying about the Cowboys, that they could get there, they just couldn't win the big one. Anyway, he, he became, he understood it. So when they brought me in to, uh, interview me, um, one of, he, he and I had a common denominator with Alvin Roy because I, that's who I learned an immense amount from. And, uh, Dan Reese is one of the finest people I've ever been around in my life. And, uh, one of the saddest days in my life when we lost him here not long ago, but, uh, he was a friend. Uh, he was certainly the, the man in charge. He was competitive. Uh, he just, you just couldn't find a better. I don't know what adjectives I'm leaving out to be able to describe him, but, uh, he was something, he was a lot like coach Bryant in some ways. And, uh, you know, but he, uh, he made things a lot of fun. We had, uh, we had great, great staff to work for, uh, work with and we had uh great players uh dan you know uh knew a lot about it he wanted to know a lot more about what we did than uh than coach bryant did and uh so i went in had to explain to him and the rest of the coaches exactly how it was going to play out you know i think we had 16 weeks back then jeff that's when you could really you know make some differentiation and some yeah yeah you could you can you could change kids. You really could, okay. and or you could keep them at a high level for a lot of years. Right. You know, 28 years of age. You know, then uh, that's the culprit, and you could be able to be able to keep a lot of them going past that, which they make more money. Uh, you got a better ball player for a longer period of time, and so forth, so on. Yeah. But uh we had a great great uh deal uh going there. won a lot of football games uh and uh we had a wonderful time. We really did uh, I followed him then from there. I was there eight years with him. uh we had a lot of great players at that time. We had a grab, uh we went to New York, stayed with the Giants there for four years, and then went down and uh, to Atlanta, and I forgot, I think I think he spent, we were together seven years, and they made a change right there and, and brought in somebody else, and uh, I spent two more years there, and that's that's when I left. Now, do you
1: remember any great team leaders uh, within oh, the teams? Oh,
2: good gosh, yeah. I mean, man, we were full of them. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, you know, those are, yeah, yeah, well, You know, John Elway uh, was a great one. We, you know, Tom Jackson, Tom Jackson was a great one. Reuben Carter, shoot, Reuben uh, Jones. Uh, We had, uh, you know, Sammy Winder was a great, uh, great leader, running back, played. Oh gosh, don't Sammy played eight or nine years and from uh, Southern Miss. uh, Golly, I'm gonna leave out some I know. Oh, we had uh, Carl Mecklenburg. Boy, Car- Carl was a 12th round draft choice, ended up making the All-Pro somewhere about like five or six times. I don't know. Wow. Uh, a lot of great kids. Secondary-wise, boy, we had a lot of a lot of them. We had uh, uh, Steve Atwater just went into the yeah. hall, you know, hall of Fame. So, I mean, he was a phenom. Uh, yeah. We had another one out there that uh, they were like bookends. Uh, Dennis Smith and Dennis was the other safety, brother. I tell you what, that was that was that was tough sledding if you ran into those two. I promise you, they'd knock sparks off of you. Uh, we had you know Michael Brooks was a linebacker. Uh, you know, and I know that I'm leaving out some people that uh, shouldn't be, but we had some great, great great players in those, yeah. those periods of time there, yeah.
1: yeah. And my point is that leadership matters, you know, it matters.
2: Yeah, we had, we had the leaders that were there. They were leaders and players, and, uh, you know, a lot of times players are leaders by what they do. Yep. Yeah. And they just – they play, and they'll just go up and, you know, bingo somebody or make a heck of a play or, or run 80 yards with the ball, and, you know, and everybody – it just yeah. turns everybody's motor on. Uh, some yeah. people have to come up, you know, and, mm-hmm. and verbally have to say some things to some people and get them going that way. But yeah, down through the years, yeah. Phil Sims, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, great athletes and great leaders. Uh, you know, um, Lawrence Taylor was a great leader. Now, yeah. we, we got time for a quick story. Absolutely. <laughs> We're we're opening the season. We're playing in Chicago. Chicago's pretty good, we, and we're pretty good. We don't know how good we are, but we're 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 playing, and we go out and we ball pretty good. And we go up, I think, twenty four, uh, and they start coming back. Uh, I it's down to fourth quarter, you know, and and uh, and so uh, you know they're starting to move, and so I I uh, <laughs> yeah. I get excited on the sideline boy. And then they're starting and then it's a third down. And I said, LT, I said, uh, you know, you, you stop, them, you know? And boy, I never will forget right there. He looked at me and I said, Oh Lord, mercy. I made this guy mad. I said, he's going to kill me and eat me, you know? And, uh, I said, he went right back out there and, uh, <laughs> he, he sacked the quarterback and recovered the fumble, and he ran back to the sidelines, Jeff, and he came right in, and I was standing right there and I had a smile on my face. I didn't know what he was going to do. You know, he pitched me the ball, and he said, something like that right there. <laughs> I said, no, that right there is pretty good, I'll tell you what. But he no. was, uh, yeah, he was, he was uh, quite an athlete. He sure was. He, he really was. Lawrence <laughs> Taylor. Yeah, yeah. When
1: I was at Carolina, Butch brought him in. Uh, Butch Davis brought him in to talk to the team. And mm-hmm. uh, and he was on the sideline the whole game. And I had a hard time keeping
2: him back. Oh, boy. He wanted to go on the field. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. He was for real. He, he yeah. He, he was good. Uh, and we went to Atlanta and then, uh, and we had some, uh, had some great foot. We, we, we were, they had not done well. in the uh, first year we went in there and I forgot we, we started off real slow, then ended up finishing real good and went eight and eight. And then next year we were 14 and two and went to the super bowl. And right. then as, as things would have it that, uh, you know, everybody wanted you players that time, and pay players were you know without contract. And that's, They made some money. Had a lot of them that, that yeah. changed and went. And then took a few years to rebuild, and then we had some had some other good years, and uh, had a great quarterback named Michael Vick, and yeah. uh, boy, I tell you what, he was uh, he was a rare breed. He was a lot yeah. like uh, Steve Atwater, yeah, and some of those other kids that uh, I had a kid when I was in uh, Northwestern, many of you may remember this name. Uh, his name is Joe Delaney. And Joe came from a little town named Halton, which is over here close to Shreveport, yeah. Louisiana. And uh, boy, Joe was, Joe was something. Joe played uh, – he was drafted by – he was running by – well, we, we brought him in as a defensive back. Didn't know where to put him and uh so eventually we got him you know in the second year we, we put him at tailback and my goodness gracious he was he was he was he was phenomenal um i left before his senior year but he went on and uh, became uh, it was a second round draft choice and then uh, in three years i think within the NFL he made all pro three years in a row and i tell you what he, this, this tells you the old story, though, right here, Jeff. It's right outside of town over here close to the uh, airport. There were three kids, uh, and it was just a pond of water that was built strictly to hold water so it could be able to be used to irrigate some area around there. With three kids, these little kids jumped in there and just started swimming and none of them could swim. And Joe was over there close by. And so they, they're drowning. And Joe, I'll never forget this. Joe used to come in the weight room up there, you know, in the afternoon after he would take a, a class and uh, the class was swimming. And boy, I mean, he'd just fall down on, on the floor right there. And I mean, sweat would be just dripping off of him. And I said, tough one today, Joe. He said, coachy, he said, I just, I can't, I can't swim on that. You know, I just can't stay afloat. And I said, we all muscle one thing. I said, you go right like a rock. You just dropped in the bottom. But anyway, Joe went out and he saved two of the three kids. And, uh, and, uh, he, he drowned along with the last one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and we had a uh, – there's there's a big monument built out here a number of years ago, I think three or four years ago that they had a big deal. But he was one of the real premier players of my career. And uh, that team – uh, gosh, I don't know. what That was 1970, geez, 79, somewhere in there, Jeff. Mm. They had a relay team and uh, three of the four kids played pro ball on that relay team. And they won the NCAA that year. Wow. Four In the uh, four-by-one, 400-meter mm. yeah, relay. They could run. I mean, run, run yeah so well
1: a couple more couple more things there's a little thing in football uh that you see every week called an upset Mm -hmm. and so far this year you got uh, app state beat texas (laughs) a&m you got georgia southern beat nebraska which might have cost that guy his job yeah marshall beat notre dame and uh so i've always been very interested in the human dimension of things and uh you know this phenomenon that no matter what talent you have on a team you might get knocked off mm-hmm. and uh, if you are not prepared and and you know some people i've always really believed that emotion matters and oh yeah yeah some people that i've met in in football they say emotion only matters the first few plays and then it's all execution. But I don't really subscribe to that. Uh, but uh, I really think that this is one of the things that if you could find the formula for strengthening the human dimension and consistency of attitude and effort week in and week out, that goes along with the talent where you wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, subjected to an upset here and there, uh, I think it would be a, a very important part of the training of a football team. You know, and I, I don't know, I don't know how you find that because yeah, well, I tell you what, yeah.
2: yeah, uh I think you and I both come to the realization, understanding anyway, of you know making. Uh, the kid get him at his very best, get him in great shape, get him strong as we can, pliable and so forth and all of the other attributes that uh, have yeah. to go in there. But the mind, boy, that's uh, that's an oyster that is hard to crack. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's not I don't it's not going to be in my time. Uh, it may be in yours and, uh, and you guys, you know, because they're doing a lot of things now, you know, with, uh, with stuff, uh, that has really gained, but I I don't know, Jeff, I, I don't know. They, they spend countless hours, dollars and everything else, uh, of taking scouts uh, and our coaches to go around uh, to try to, you know, see if Jeff Connors is going to fit the mold for a linebacker for us, you know, and then yeah this, that, and the other. But, you know, is there any – I don't know. You know, it's – uh is old saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So, yeah. I, I just don't know. I don't know. It's not – I don't think it's any – somebody may have a, a handle on it. I'm, I'm down here just worried about the fish are biting today, you know, yeah. and, uh, I don't know, don't know anymore. Yeah. I, I've, I've, uh, I've just kind of, kind of gone on, but, uh, all the other stuff, I think that they're getting better at all the time. They're, they're making yeah. uh, headway, but I think a lot of it is going over, uh, plowed ground already. And, um, uh, so I think that the same things that, that that work uh still work. And I think that the and I, I truly believe this, that the differentiation and a lot of the street coaching has to do with the technique that they can teach and are they believable, you know, when they say something. Yeah. And then and the um you know aura that they can set forth in the room and uh things that they can demand from the kids and they will you know try to achieve it so i think those things right there they're always going to be very important very right. important there's no doubt
1: i got to go to a marine corps military leadership uh uh seminar uh at the Pentagon, I guess they they chose some people. Somebody nominated me to go, but uh, and I've always been reading these books on military leadership, uh, and I wrote a book called Collegiate Battlefield, where you know I basically took leadership uh, principles from the military to apply them athletics. But uh, it's very interesting to me that a lot of military people, and even in the manuals, it'll talk about uh the difference to winning these battles is the human dimension and uh yeah. you know that's why i always that's why i always wanted to do tough things with my guys i wanted them to overcome tough things uh so they had that that component they had that characteristic of toughness yep. and yep. they you know they had the belief that there's no way these guys across the field worked harder than we did there's no way they're in better shape than us Right. And, you know, that's a little bit tougher to do these days. Um, I did some things back then that uh, might have been questionable, but uh, at the same time, you know, I, I still believe that it had great value. Um, yeah,
2: so, sure. No doubt. Um, I guarantee it did. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, if you, you take a guy like Audie Murphy, one of the highest decorated soldiers in World War Two, and. You look at him, you know, he looked like a sophomore in high school, you know. So I I don't – I don't – you know why. And then you go ask yourself that question and, you just, boy, I don't know. That – that, uh, I just don't know. Right. I got no idea, Jeff. <laughs> I can't help you, brother. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to uh, just say a few
1: things about training uh, to kind of wrap it up as our last topic here uh when I came to visit you, you introduced me to the importance of the single leg squat, mm-hmm. uh, the ball on the wall squat, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the overhead squat, of course,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the complexes, uh, many of which I guess had originated with Euphoric.
0: Yeah, uh, and balling. then I, and
1: right. then when I got into uh, kettlebells with uh, with Steve. I, uh, you know, I just came up with a lot of my own complexes with, with uh, kettlebells as well.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, one of my favorite complexes was a uh, top down, get down where you get a double kettlebell uh, press uh, to a double kettlebell swing to a long cycle swing to mm-hmm. a clean and then a squat. Mm-hmm. And you did five of those and uh, you know, different types of complexes with kettlebells and barbells. I really liked over the years and I, I really like those with with the young guys and uh you know you can talk about testing and evaluation which is important but I like to be on the floor watching these guys all the time uh that was my there thing there you go
2: there and, uh, you go there I you go tell
1: right there who's got issues there you go I, I didn't need to do the functional screening there you go uh, I I didn't have time for corrective strategies that may not even be effective Right. You know, once the NCAA got involved, hey, I, I got six weeks to get these guys ready. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I can afford to tell you this is, hey, guys, this is a deload week. If I thought the guys needed to go lighter, then I would put that into training. I would basically print it out for them and mm-hmm. I would change the percentage values for them across the board if I felt like we needed some restoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I... During my last few years, I had a hard time agreeing with some of these young people coming in the door mm-hmm. and wanting me to waste the two the hour and a half, two hours I had, eight hours a week I had on all these muscle activation strategies, mm-hmm. corrective strategies. I wanted to take them out, do a dynamic warm-up, which was movement, mm-hmm. which was postural type of drilling, drilling, because posture was so important. I did my... Absolute speed work first. I did my acceleration work first. I went into the weight room, and when we got to the weight room, guess what? We didn't need a whole lot of muscle mm-hmm. activation. We just mm-hmm. went through muscle activation. Try. Right. And even on days that were tempo days when we would condition first and go lift, I had guys hit PRs all the time after 45 minutes of running. So that that was my experience, you know, and I Hey, I didn't know if it was right, but, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to run first. I wanted my guys to be fresh to do their sprint work. And then if it was, let's say it's a four day split and you're doing your Olympic lifts, maybe you want them fresh to do the Olympic lifts first. And so you might make that a tempo day and do your tempo running right. after you lift. Right, right. Or you might prefer a three day program, particularly with your skill guys, because you might want to do more speed work and more type of, uh, plyometric and explosive type activity. Uh, and uh, you know, you you wanted those two days in between to do more movement type stuff, maybe more conditioning type things for those guys. And uh, and then the other day we were talking, and I mentioned the fact that Boo Shake Snyder would always talk about because Boo's one of my mentors, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boo would say, Hey, you know, when you get into the getting in toward track season and of course we're talking about sprinters and hurdlers right you want to come, come off of the heavy squats and go to ballistics uh, so that you recapture uh, coordination elasticity and proprioception which made a lot of sense to me
2: right
1: um at the same time you're definitely going where the olympic lifts are concerned now uh i always believe that at some point, whether it's, it's 10 days or, or, you know, w- whatever the number of days that you have in season, you got to hit that heavy lift again, mm-hmm. uh, because basically you've got to, you basically got to have intensity, either heavy something heavier, fast to simulate that nervous system and to keep those explosive attributes over a period of time. And that's, those are kind of the things in the way of thinking that I, I kind of thought Al Miller's thinking this way, you know, uh, uh, he wants foundational strength. Uh, you talked about foundational strength. You talked about it's tough. It's tough to become more powerful unless you have foundational strength and then you can go back to Alver mills pyramid and, yeah,
2: yeah. and
1: see, see the things yeah. there as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I came up with my own power quotient. I took five values of vertical jump. I'd add that up at, I took three three values of broad jumping inches and I'd get that number. I took one value of a max power clean. I added those three numbers and divided mm-hmm. it by forty times, and that worked extremely well for I'll me. Be was- <laughs> I'm not smart yeah. enough to do that, Jeff. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying. I, I don't know. I have a combination of horizontal, vertical components, horizontal, yeah. vertical power. Yeah, yeah,
2: makes and then when I
1: goodness. divided. When I divided that number of those three things by forty time, and if you had better numbers, and if you had a better forty time, guess what? You had a higher score. Yeah. And I said, "Hey, this is it for me because I had Bruce Carter that played in the league for a while. He had a four hundred five power clean. He had a mm. you know eleven foot broad jump, a forty inch mm. invert, and he ran a four three forty. And that was my highest guy. You know, he had uh, like a two twenty seven or yeah. something like that score. Yeah." And so uh, uh, what people say about the value of rate coding as an adaptation and the, and the fact that rate coding is, it, is pliable, it comes and goes. If you're not doing something explosive, you're going to lose that adaptation. Yeah,
2: there's no doubt. I mean, you are. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. The biggest thing, you know, and I'm an I'm a old man. And I'm on my way out the door and uh, y'all be talking about me rather than with me here in a number of years. But the one thing that I see that still is not being done today uh, by the young strength coaches and a lot of them by the older strength coaches. And you just said it right there is that, you know, people, Esteban Javorik is a very, very intelligent, smart man. And when he created these exercises they put them together it was to teach the olympic lifts but it's in the same body movement same uh bar movement as the exercises themselves but you're doing it at a weight that is a percentile of your own body weight so you're not handling heavy weights that put an unjust and unrelenting amount of weight on the kid that's going to possibly end up in an injury. And you're doing something that you can do just exactly what you just got through saying is watch and see what he can't do. If I can take Jeff Connors and figure out what Jeff Connors cannot do in a workout, and then tell Jeff when it's over with, Jeff, this is what you can't do. This is what we're going to do in place of it. Boy, bingo, you become right. a guru, you know? Yeah. And then I help the kid. First of all, you're not going to get hurt, Jeff. Then you're going to get better. And it's going to be a process. But the the, the process is going to produce at the end results a stronger, faster, more durable athlete. So learning to do those exercises, what a great conditioner it is, what a right. great teacher it is. You can sit and watch one kid do a, a six exercises and never have to move. And you can, if you're a good coach, which most coaches should, the eye of the coach is, is always, as we, yeah. as we know. I mean, it, it, you've got to be able to, to be a great teacher. You got to be a teacher and teachers. You just can't watch one kid. You got to watch all 30 in the room at one time. You got to watch all X amount of them in the weight room, watch them what they do. And you have got to be a technical fool on those exercises. You got to be just, boy, just, I mean, a teacher extraordinaire on the technique of the movement. And when you do that and, and, and get them, just like you said, to demand them to do the things full speed and explosive, then everything's gonna fall in place. You're not gonna have near the injuries, and you're not you're gonna have a more complete at the end of the of, of the training period, you can retest again, and I guarantee you you're gonna make improvement. I mean, it's it's not like shooting frogs on a basket, you know. Sure. Well, Coach, if you can believe
1: it, I even like a double kettlebell snatch hold. You know, I, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I don't
2: know if I can remember doing all that. <laughs> I must
1: be crazy. Uh, oh <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, you. Uh, <clears throat> Coach, I really. Uh, Appreciate the time, and I really I, I get into these conversations like sitting around a campfire for me. I know, yeah, I know. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, the other thing that I would say just about training is that I think <clears throat> it's really important to break up the week properly, uh, particularly with your skill guys, and uh. I think acceleration, absolute speed, tempo work, uh, over speed work, you know, maybe you might have a sprint float sprint day. I think all these things have value in relationship to development and it's important to know how to break it up to where you have, you know, proper recovery and restoration. Uh, But I, I really think that all those things are necessary if you hope to and in my experience, I felt like it took me two years of hard work to actually get people faster. And they had to buy and, into
2: it. That, that, I tell you what, uh, getting stronger, uh, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, you can do. Yeah. You're getting more explosive now when you start well, adding yeah. the speed of the bar in there. That's a little differentiation. And then when you get starting talking about speed, being there, then now you're, you're, you're in a different, different deal altogether right. the, you've really, yeah, you're in a, a different mode. Uh, one thing that I, I, have seen, uh, you know, is everybody, when they go out to create speed, we're going to run what we're going to run a 40. Yeah. How far is first base 90 feet? Right. Right. Basketball floor is what, ninety, two, three feet. So I mean, that's as far as you can run. In football, the the biggest portion of the game is twenty yards. And very, very, very few times will anybody ever get an opportunity to really just take off and, and run, you know, straight. And if they are, they are usually the outside people that, that get that opportunity. So the explosion part of it, the, the biggest part of the game, you know, uh, of any game of basketball, of of football, of baseball, it's, uh, you know, it, it is acceleration. It's an acceleration that you don't ever, what 33 yards uh, takes Olympian to be able to reach maximum speed. You don't have that in, in sports. And, uh, so consequently, the biggest part of that is the acceleration. That's the deal that you really, really got to spend a lot of time on now. does not mean that you neglect the top end speed, but you know first things first. Yeah. so that is that's something and and understand the uh, the correct way to be able to run and look look at what the person should look like. When they are running, just running down the field at, at 70 to 75% of their speed rate, if they are running and are using the right mechanics, foot placements, body position and coach that coach that No, don't coach that the same way that you would in their power, clean a snatch or a squat, same way, same thing and do it and understand it and be able to tell them. And the same way with jumps, you know, be able to do the, the same way with jumps. Where do you land? How do you land? You know, and so forth and so on. So be a complete coach of everything you ask the kids to do. Yeah. Make sure that they they know what to do. Don't go so fast that you overdo it. And if a kid can't do it, keep them there. Yeah. He's telling you. He's just no more than raising his hand, and said hey, Coach Connor. I can't do this thing now. They're not going to just jump up and say that they got too much pride, but they can't do it. So if they can't do it, then that's up to you, the coach, to be able to say, "Now we're going to keep you here until you can develop this quality to be able to do bingo, whatever yeah. that can be." Whether it be oh. lifting, jumping, running. That doesn't make any difference. Or maybe yeah. stretching. Yeah. Right.
1: I'll say one more thing about the history of speed training. Uh, I brought my, my friend, I became friends with, through a man named Ronnie Jones, who you might be. Yeah. You yeah.
0: might
1: know Ronnie, but Ronnie yeah. basically introduced me to wild man, crazy man, Kevin McNair. God rest his soul.
0: Yeah.
1: And I brought Kevin into. to... Uh, East Carolina. And, uh, I used him as a mentor over the phone when I was at Carolina and I talked to him over the years. And then I did not even know that Kevin passed away.
2: Yeah. I I didn't know a lot of them did. Yeah.
1: But he, uh, you know, he was there in the beginning of things, talking about body position, talking about Mm -hmm. force application, talking Mm -hmm. about arm stroke, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, some of the things that I think that he talked about some track coaches may disagree with at this point, but what Kevin was trying to do is get people to accelerate and use their whole body to accelerate. And, uh, you know, and, and of course he had that speed terminology that he used, uh, where you'd correct a body part, basically on the run, you know, focus meant to, you know, Mm -hmm. get your head level, uh, Mm-hmm. and so uh that body body position terminology from head to toe so uh that's kind of where i started to become extremely interested in speed development and i played db in college so i was interested in it anyway but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. then you know then then uh lauren seagrave
2: there you go i'm fixing it yeah uh, you, you go. know
1: on through yeah uh, yeah i just uh I'd travel anywhere in the country to hear somebody speak or, or bring them in if we had the money to bring them in. And uh, I had a lot of passion for, for learning speed. And and I think oh, yeah. that that's that's something that uh, right now has become very, very popular out there. It's grown immensely as far as uh, the speed development into things. But uh, for a long period of time, there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on it.
2: No, well, the, the, uh, they were... Was- not much understood about it, Jeff. Right. And I, I tell you right now, I tell you one of the things that Johnny Parker, Al Mill, and myself did is that we we found out in in the mid '80s. There, you know, if if I I go to a a clinic and sit and listen to Jeff Connor speak for an hour, I get what you know in an hour. Yeah. If, I, if I really got something that that it bings the little bell up here, I'm going to go get Jeff Connors, fly him into yeah. wherever I am at that time, keep him there for two or three days, say, Jeff, we're going to pay you this amount of money, put you up and do all these things. I've got you, and then I video you, and I can pick you like a chicken. For three days or two yeah. days, we did yep. that. With Al took some, Johnny took some, and I took some. And we would go to the to the best in the world, and we fly yeah. in. And we were in the NFL and our NBA at that time, and so we had the capability of doing that. Right, and that furthered, you know, to tell you, oh, I'm I'm sitting here and I do all this. I'm the originator of little and thief of a lot. I can be honest with you. And, uh, you know, that, that I, also. Hey, I, I'm telling you, you know, it, and, it, and a lot of people nowadays in time get all bold up because they, they, you know, oh, Miller told me I was spotting, squatting and my heels came up. Like, you yeah. <laughs> know, so, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, we don't all have all the answers, and I guarantee you, I don't. But the thing is, is that I I was a mad hunt for them all the time, and yeah. those three guys right there, we had one time. I, I promise you, when I retired there at Atlanta, I had a long um, shelf box that I there is no telling how many videos i had in there of, of 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 everybody that you can imagine and uh when i left i had my lip all poked out because you know i knew it was over but uh yeah. i just left them and i wish i would have kept them and i could have given them i wasn't that smart to be able to give them to some young you know high school coaches and more stuff and right. i find myself you know that's, that's hindsight and that's that's But if a guy wants to be able to try to go to one person right now, day and time, and I know there are some really good ones. I'm just talking about my time. I think uh, Al Vermeule understood uh, so much about of every facet of it. Right. Um, He's coached it. Coached at a high level, coached at a low level, he's coached all the way through, and I think he understands all aspects of training and applying that training to whatever sport that you are trying to be able to get better at. And he's uh, he, he's golden now. There's a researcher out there. Uh, by the name, uh, oh gosh, uh, Lord have mercy, Mike Stone. And Mike Stones and uh, is 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 one of the best too. And like you said, uh, Lauren Seagrave, is one of the best. You know, I we hired Lauren worked for us at Atlanta for four years, maybe even five years. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And uh, so I learned a lot from him. His wife taught my daughter how to hurdle, and she was about the fourth in the world at that time. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, get ask these people, you know, and uh, they will help you if if they are coaches. They're going to do just like Jeff Connors and Al Miller are doing. I don't have to do this. You don't have to do this, but we're trying to do it to be able to bring the word to these guys out there that are trying to make a living doing this and get better to find some way that, yeah, they're going to put one more point up there than the other team's got and that's it. And then they're going to in turn help the kid. They're going to teach him all of the things that a lot of the things that are not taught anymore in the house, the schools and all the other places. And that's work discipline. And, so forth and so on.
1: Right. There's a ton of intelligent people out there and there's a, there's a ton of knowledge out there. And of course with the internet, I mean, you can, Oh man, you, you can find uh, all kinds of gurus
2: out there quick. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be careful. Yeah. There. You know? there's, there's, yeah, there, there's a lot of se- self anointed. <laughs> yeah, uh, And oh, I, I, I know like,
1: the thing that was always interesting to me about the profession also is, you know, you can be a good strength coach and be losing games and you can be a bad strength coach and be winning games. And, uh, that's to justify or maybe not that's justify right. what that's you right. do. That yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that that's right. But, uh, those
2: good uh, players will make you look a whole lot smarter. I can promise yeah. you. Yeah. And I've been fortunate yeah. to be, be on that end of it a lot of times. I promise you that you bet. Well, I'm just,
1: I'm thankful to God that, uh, you know, I was able to, to have a good career, stay in a career for a period of time that took me to retirement. And uh, you know, I got nothing but nothing but thanks. And I feel like I've been extremely blessed. And uh oh yeah. You know, that's what I'm trying to do now is is maybe maybe bring some blessings blessings to someone else and uh
2: yep. uh you but can give yep. back give back to what Absolutely. somebody gave to you. Yeah I'd uh i i've tried my dead level best and uh to do the very same thing jeff yeah well uh
1: can't tell you how much i appreciate it uh always yeah. great to talk to you and i i really it's fun
2: yeah. it's fun to get back together again after all these years and uh Absolutely. see each other again you know but uh yeah i appreciate you thinking of me first of all and uh Uh, including me, second of all. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Love to kick it around. And uh, any other time I can be of any help to anybody, then please let me know. Well, I appreciate it. I'm going to sign off now.
1: Uh, This is Coach Jeff Connor signing off for Absolute Empowerment and ArmoredLife.org. God bless you. Please join us next week. Thanks a lot.
0: You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports Obj on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go pirates!